And uh, the title of the sermon is Trust. Trust is the word, and it comes from um, Exodus 20, 15. You shall not steal. You shall not steal. I figured this would be an easy sermon to, to, to talk about because I don't think any of y'all are thieves. But we got to do it because it's one of the commandments. So here's how it works. Uh, this is a commandment for people that either trust God or don't. Uh, whenever we trust God and we honor his word, it's like we're underneath a blessing. And no matter where you go, you just cannot get out from under this blessing as long as you are trusting God's word is true. You step into that. Now, you can be a saved person. You can be uh, someone who comes to church every Sunday. You can be someone that worships and gives. But if you violate God's word, you are stepping out from under that blessing. God's not putting a curse on you. You're choosing to step into what the world is, which is a curse. And so uh, not stealing is a test for Christians financially are we going to trust God and get underneath that umbrella of protection everywhere we go? This is true with your body. Uh, if you eat a Twinkie for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day, Twinkies, and that's all you ever eat, you can come down to the altar and pray and please, God, help me. I'm sick all the time. Why am I sick? So I need healing. But every day you eat Twinkies after Twinkies after Twinkies, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. How many of you love Twinkies except for me? I mean, Twinkies, like five Twinkies every single time. And so what you're doing is you're stepping out from under God's blessing. I mean, you, you say, well, I'm saved and Jesus bore the curse of sin and death, and he did, but you can still choose as a believer to go against God's word. Same thing is true in our relationships. You can pray for your relationship. If you're married, you can sit here and pray all day long for God to help your relationship. But if you're having an affair or if you are looking at things in lust on a regular basis, you are choosing to step out from underneath that umbrella. God wants to bless you, but you're not trusting his word. And not stealing is a test for Christians. Are you going to trust God's provision? Are you going to trust what his word says he will do? Are you going to stay underneath that umbrella of protection in the area of your finances? Um, Ephesians 4.28, and I want to point out for all of you that think the old commandments of the Old Testament is, um, is out of date, I want you to know that every commandment in the Old Testament is in the New Testament. And here it is for this one, Ephesians 4.28. It says this, let him who steal... Steal no longer. That's point number one for your notes. But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good. That's point number two. Number three, that he may have something to give him who has need. That is point number three, to give. Um, now, let me tell you this. This is very interesting, uh, at least for me it is. But every single sermon I ever preach, every Sunday, without fail, one of you in this church, between one to twelve of you, in some way or some form, um, deal with that subject um, with me within a two or three week span. I mean, I don't care what I preach on. I could preach on, I mean, I could preach on going to the moon, and somehow within three or four weeks, one of y'all is going to go to the moon. I mean, it just it just happens like that. And people come up to me all the time, and say, "I can't believe you're preaching about me and preaching to me." And I'm like, "I'm not. I don't care about your problems at all. Don't tell me your problems. In fact, don't tell me because you'll think I'm preaching about you. I'm not. I'm preaching what God tells me to preach." And so I thought at the beginning of this commandment series, if there's a commandment that I won't have to deal with with anybody, if there's a subject, it'll be stealing. Because no one in church is going to steal from me. Well, a few weeks ago, there was this couple that came to church one Sunday, and they were such a nice couple, and they said they're homeless and they need help. And they said, um, you know, we'll do whatever it takes. And I, have a, I teach people how to handle finances, and I teach them how to make money and stuff, because I'm good at that. And so um, after church, the church bought them lunch, and I fellowship with them, and they, you know, affirmed how good church was, and we love it. We want to do whatever we can. We're homeless. We're living in our car. I said, okay, I will pay for you to have a hotel every night this week, and I'll buy your food. 
all three meals, all during the week. But you have to work at the church, both of you, husband and wife, eight hours a day. They're boyfriend and girlfriend. Eight hours a day, you got to work. And during each day, I'll give you one hour to go out and fill out applications. All around Myrtle Beach, I'll make calls. I'll get you a job. But some of your work's going to be listening to sermons. Some of your work's going to be financial counseling. Some of your work's going to be painting, landscaping, and all that. So I get them lunch on Sunday, and I say, here's what I need you to do today. And so I leave. Well, when I leave, I look on the cameras, the security cameras, and time I leave, they leave. And I thought, that's weird. So I called them up. Hey, man, what are y'all doing? They said, oh, we had to run an errand. I said, what kind of errand does a homeless person got to run? Like, where you, where you got to go? Got to go, you know, let your dog out? Like, what you got to go do? And he said, oh, no, we'll be back. We'll be back. So they come back, and they work like four hours, but I get them the hotel room. Next day, they promise to work. They show up an hour late. I get the hotel room for them, but they only work like six hours. And then they go run errands and come back. Finally, I said, at least one of y'all stay in work, and the other one go run whatever errands you got to run. Wednesday, they slack off. I still buy them food. I hang out with them. Trisha is praying with them and counseling them, and I'm meeting with them. And so on Wednesday, I said, I can't get your hotel room. They said, we're homeless. What are we going to do? We have no place to stay. I said, don't anybody get mad at me, okay? Just listen. Hear me out. I said, y'all can sleep in the church tonight, okay? Hold on, just hold on, okay? Hold on. It was free. I was trying to save the church some money, okay? Calm down. Anyway, so they spend the night in the church. The next day, I try to get them to work, and I get the hotel, and just I try to get them some clothes, and I get one of them a job. The other one gets a job. Their life is starting to get better, even though they're slacking off. By Friday, Trisha said, something's weird about this. So I get their names, and I send it to a police buddy of mine. I, just, I have a friend of mine that's a policeman. I just text them the names. And he immediately sends me back all these pictures. Now, I don't know if you know this, but whenever you pawn something, they secretly take your picture so they have it on record. And so I got picture after picture after picture. And these, they're just like this in the pawn store, pawning all of our church equipment here. They stole, I know, can you believe that? Girlfriend. Listen, they stole our computers. They stole our iPads. They stole our, our guitar equipment, our amps. They stole tools. They stole every, every day they were running errands. They were taking carloads of our stuff and selling it. Oh, man. <laughs> Hold on, it gets better. And so, um, <laughs> and so I called the guy on Friday and I said, listen, man, you've been stealing our stuff. He's like, no, we haven't. I said, okay. So I sent him all the pictures of himself smiling, holding our equipment in the pawn shop, you know. And I said, listen, I'm not going to press charges. I said, I want to help you. I said, I want to help. I said, all I'm asking for is restitution. I said, if you keep working, I said, I'll keep paying. I'll keep paying and you can pay off the debt. Uh, One of the pawn shops allowed us to buy our stuff back. The other one's already sold everything. Um, But I told the guy on the phone, I said, listen, I'll I'll help you. I said, you come back to church. Let's just talk and meet. I'm not going to press charges if you're willing to work. And I said, "Um, but I want our iPads back. I said, because we spent a lot of time getting our songs on here. We worked hard. I just... I don't care about the money. I just want the iPad. Okay, I'll give them back to you. And so I said, okay, well, meet me at so-and-so. Meet me at the church. And he doesn't show up. I said, okay, an hour later, meet me. I'll be there. Doesn't show up. An hour later, come on, I'll be there. I said, listen, man, I'm going to call the police. I'm trying to give you a second chance. Just bring me back the stinking iPads. Oh, I have them. I'll get them to you. So finally, he says, I'm in the area, but I don't want to come to church because I'm scared you'll arrest me. I said, okay, whatever, meet me at Walmart. So we go to Walmart, and so Dan, the man, uh, shows up, and Dan is hiding out in the car, like three spaces down with the camera, like video and everything. And Dan's got protection on him, you know, and so I get out to meet the guy, and I said, listen, where's our iPads? Oh, he said, I got a buddy that's over there behind the woods, and if you'll meet me out there behind the woods, I'll give you all your stuff back. 
I said, you must think I'm stupid. And I'm sure he's thinking in his mind, of course you are. You let us steal all your stuff and spend the night in your church. But anyway, and so, um, so Dan's videotaping it. And so the guy starts getting physical with me and rough and won't let me back in my car. And, and, all the, and I got a video. Do you all want to see the video? Yeah. I'm not going to show you because that'd be wrong. And y'all are evil for asking that. But anyway, and so, so Dan's video, so Dan has to jump out and protect me and all that stuff. So the elders got involved. We had to call, they made me call the police and the policeman comes. And um, I know the elders are so smart, even though I didn't want, I kept, I tried to give this guy a thousand chances. They called the police. And uh, it was so funny because the policeman, when I told the policeman what happened, he's like, you tried to get your stuff back and meet at Walmart? And I was like, yeah. I said, listen, I've watched Magnum P.I. I've watched The Dukes of Hazard. I've seen Knight Rider. And plus Dan, he's, he, Dan has watched Inspector Clouseau. So that's Dan. And I'm the, and so anyway, they arrested the guy two days later, and he's still in jail now. And if you're watching, I'll still give you another chance if you want to give us back our iPads. Anyway, okay, so point number one is this. Stop stealing. Stop stealing. That is point number one. You think that would be easy. When Paul wrote that to the church of Ephesians, it was a church that was in the middle of a corrupt society. But he was telling a church, stop stealing. Let me ask you this. Are we a church in the middle of a corrupt society? Yes or no? Yes. So let me ask this. Do you need to stop stealing? Um, have you ever stolen a stamp from your workplace for personal mail? Let me ask this. Does, does it matter if it's a million dollars or one dollar to God or is it all stealing? It's all stealing. Have you ever charged a meal on the company expense card that was personal? <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. You don't have to answer, okay? I just say, these are kind of rhetorical. I mean, you know... <laughs> You don't have to, I don't need to know your sins. Just, just, okay. Have you ever taken a longer, um, have you ever taken a longer break or lunch than allowed and remain clocked in? Or let me ask this, have you ever taken 12 smoke breaks in one day or sat on the toilet for an hour and played your phone when you're at work? Have you ever received too much change back and considered a blessing from God? Thank you, Jesus, for blessing me. Let me tell you all a thought that I had. It was just a thought, so I'm not... Too bad. Well, I guess it's the same in the heart. But anyway, so about a year ago, you know, we get packages all the time at our house for church. For I mean, just every week there's a package. So when a package comes to our front door, I just open it. I don't look at anything. Well, I opened it, and it was a super nice pair of men's shoes. So my first thought was that my wife is surprising me with a special gift. She wasn't at all. Anyway, and so after I looked at the name on it, it was my next-door neighbor's name. Now, these shoes were nice. And let me just say this. My nana always taught me. There's two things you spend money on, shoes and a mattress, because you're always either sleeping or standing on your feet. And so I looked up these shoes online, and they were $1,000 shoes. Tell me! Okay, hold on now. And they just happened to be size 10 and a half. <laughs> now, for a split second, I had the thought, I bet my neighbor got insurance on something like this, right? God, thank you for the new pair of shoes. You're such a good God for providing the shoes that I need. <laughs> for a split second, I thought that, but I returned them to the neighbor after I wore them for like three weeks. But anyway, <laughs> just kidding. Have you ever borrowed money from something and refused to pay back the debt? That is called stealing. Have you ever eaten half the grapes in a bag and only pay for the half that's left? That's stealing, ladies. Now, if you ever want to know... Who you are like when you steal. Remember John 10, 10. The thief, the devil is the one who steals. So you are just like the devil when you are stealing. And just, as a, just to see how smart y'all are, and I know you know the answer, 
What is the Greek word for thief right here? Now, hold on, wait. Before you answer, just think for one second. You know the answer, I promise. Everyone in here knows the answer. It starts with the letter K. What is this word in the Greek? Klepto. Kleptomaniac. The 11.15 service would have got it. But anyway, I forgot. Y'all are the service that went to Socasty High School. Okay, so Exodus 16.4. Here's what God said. I'm going to rain down bread from heaven, and each day the people can gather enough for that day. Gather one omer for each person in your tent so I can test you. Everybody say test. It's a test. Are you going to trust that God will provide? Now, notice this. God rained down the exact amount for each person, which means if one of you in here took more than you were supposed to, you were actually stealing from everybody else because God provided the exact amount for each person. Now, in our country, they have this thing about this whole shared wealth stuff. So let me just tell you, taking more and making more are two different things. The people who make more is good for our country and good for America and they're providing jobs. It's the people who are entitled and they begin to take more than what they've earned. If you did not earn it and you are taking it, that is called stealing. If your boss pays you for eight hours and you work six hours and sit on the can for two hours, you are stealing. If you, if you take a stamp from work and it is not yours or not for work, you are stealing god got so upset in exodus 16 28 he said how long are you going to refuse to keep my commands here's what he's saying how long are you going to not trust me just trust my provision trust my word trust that i will do what i say i will do you can trust me i'm not a deadbeat dad i will take care of you i have provided for you you just got to do your part number one stop stealing number two from ephesians 4 28 is this you got to start working Start working. Uh, it says, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good. The word work here means to earn something by laboring to tiredness. Now, I didn't say, do you have a job? I said, do you work hard? Some people have jobs and they don't work hard. They take advantage of the people that write them the paycheck each week. Now, you may be handicapped, you may be retired, and you may be a child. You can still work hard. It's working hard as a principle in God's Word. God blesses hard work. Um, I love, love, love to work hard. I could literally dig trenches eight hours a day and be incredibly happy. Um, I do not mind it. I come from a long line of hard workers. My dad was a hard worker. My granddad, his father was a hard worker. My grandfather left school when he was like seven or eight years old to start working. He never learned to read or write. Uh, the only thing he could read and write was his uh, signature, and that was it. Yet he carried a Bible with him to church every Sunday and opened it just to pretend like he could read what the Bible said. Uh, my grandfather worked very hard, and he always gave. He didn't just tithe, he gave. That's above 10% every single week of his life. In fact, when he got Alzheimer's really bad, um, he would take $100 bills and walk around town and just give them out to people. And my grandma would have to come behind him and take it from the people and say he's lost his mind. Because if, if, if my granddad saw her doing it, he'd get mad at her and start yelling. He just loved to give. He loved doing it. My granddad died a millionaire. He was a millionaire not because of a pyramid scheme that he got involved in, not because of the lottery. He was a millionaire because he worked hard and he always trusted God financially. He loved to work. Um... When my, when my granddad started getting Alzheimer's, I remember my dad sat down with him one day and they were just talking about things. And my granddad looked at my dad and he said, Son, 
I know you like to travel around the world and see all the different countries. He said, if you ever come across Jesus in all of your traveling, if you ever meet Jesus, please tell him that I said thank you for all the things he's done for me and your mother. Now listen, my granddad could have said, uh, son, you tell Jesus that I said uh, he better be happy for all the hard work I did and all the money that I gave to his kingdom. But my granddad attributed the ability to work hard, the ability to think and make money, and the joy of giving to the kingdom of God all to the grace of Jesus Christ. Here's what he was saying. Tell Jesus, thank you that I got to give every Sunday. Tell him, thank you that I was able to work hard. Tell him, thank you that he gave me a mind to be able to save money and spend wisely. Tell him, thank you for all the things He's done for us. You know, one time Peter didn't have enough money to pay his taxes, and he was standing right next to the provider. He was standing right next to Jesus, and he didn't have enough money. But, but, but God said he would always provide. What, what's going to happen here? In, uh, in Matthew 17, 27, Jesus said, Peter, go fishing. And the first fish that bites, open up its mouth, and there's going to be money on the inside. Here's what Jesus was saying. Peter, if you work, I promise you, I'll bless you. But it's a principle. Jesus could have reached behind Peter's ear and pulled out a gold coin, right? But he didn't. He said, if you go fishing, here's what I'll do. I'll make sure the fish bites. I'll make sure you get blessed. I'll make sure there's a gold coin in the fish's mouth. But you got to step out in faith and put the fishing line into the water. So number one, stop stealing. Number two, start working. And number three is this. Continue giving. Continue giving. You know, um, there's nothing in life that's great that doesn't come with hard work and giving. I mean, if you want an education, you got to work hard. If you want healthy relationships, you got to work hard and be a giver. If you want a healthy relationship with Jesus, you got to work hard, you got to be a giver. Giving is how we get underneath the umbrella of protection in our relationship with Jesus. It says in Ephesians 4 20 that he may have something to give. Now, Every time you get paid, you get tested. Every time. Uh, all through the Bible, there's testing. All through the Bible, there's testing with money. It's a test. Every time you get paid, who are you going to thank? Who are you going to um, attribute to the fact that you were able to make money and work hard? Who do you want to bless the rest of your finances? Visa, your mortgage company, or God? It's a test. Uh, it says in Malachi 3, 6 through 12, it says... For I am the Lord, I do not change. Now, I want to just start by saying we're about to read something that God Almighty spoke out of His mouth. It's very, I'm in awe, if you understand, we're about to read a passage in the Bible that God actually, the creator of the universe actually said this out loud and we have it written down in word format. Very, very awesome. I am the Lord, I don't change. And I'm the same, I'm the same God that gave you the commandments and I'm the same God that gave you my son. And I'm going to show you the end of this series. People think that God was mean in the Old Testament and nice in the New. It's the same God. And I'm going to show you the end of the series. It's the exact same God. Old Testament, New Testament, same God. Same God. Return to me. Get back underneath the umbrella. Return to me and I will return to you. Once again, says the Lord. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. How? You have withheld tithes and offerings. Okay. It doesn't say steal. There's one translation that says steal. Most of them say rob. Here's the difference. 
When someone steals something from you, they are stealthy. Steal, stealthy. They want to fly under the radar. They don't want to be caught. But when someone robs you, you were standing right there whenever they did it. That's the difference. God's saying when we withhold tithes and offerings, He is standing right there. He blessed us. He let us get the paycheck. He gave us the strength we needed to. We're not in the hospital. We're not in prison. He has blessed our life. And so He's saying when you withhold this, you're actually robbing me. You are cursed with the curse. Now, once again, if you eat Twinkies all day long, your body's cursed. If you're not um, in your relationship with people, not honoring God's word, it's, there's a curse on it. And financially, when you rob God, you are stepping out from under the blessing unto, into the world that is always cursed. For you have robbed me. Bring your full tithe. It says full because they were bringing 9%. Read the Bible. The whole tenth. The 10% means everybody brings the same rich, poor, medium. We're all bringing the same sacrifice. It's a percentage. That means if this person can do it, this person can do it. Because there's no excuse. Because you determine the lifestyle you live based on your income. We all have a different lifestyle. But 10% is 10% no matter how much money you make. Into the temple that there may be food in my house. In Matthew 23, 23, Jesus says you ought to tithe as well. But here's what I want to tell you. Every time in the Bible the number 10 pops up, there's a test. God tests you not because He wants to see your heart, because He already knows your heart. He wants you to see where your heart is. That's why He tests us all throughout our life. Every day we go through a test in life. The tests come so you can see what is in your heart. Every time you see the number 10 in the Bible, there's a test there. In fact, let's all take a test right now. I'm going to ask you a question, and I want everyone in here to answer out loud. And even if you don't know the answer, you can guess. I promise you're smart enough to guess, okay? Except for the kleptomaniac. You weren't that smart. But for this one, you're really smart. Okay, ready? How many plagues were there in Egypt? I want to hear everybody. How many? Now, you could have said, how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? Same thing, okay? How many commandments were given? In Numbers 14, how many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? How many times did Jacob's wages get changed? I'm going to hear everybody. How many times? Okay. How many versions were tested in Matthew 25? I need to see it up on the screen, please. And then the next one. How many days of testing are mentioned in Revelation? How many disciples were there? No, there was 12. I was testing you. And all of y'all failed that test. There's 10. Okay. 12. My my PowerPoint person must be... Only a deadbeat dad doesn't provide for his children. Now, if you think you have a deadbeat dad, then don't get under his umbrella of protection. If you think that somehow that God will dishonor his word and he will not do what he said he would do, you don't have to get under it. It's totally up to you. It's a test. It's a test. Everything in life is a And the test is to see, are you going to trust God's provision? Um, I'm going to tell you a story and I'll let you go. But during World War II... There was a young soldier that was in a library in Florida reading a book. As he was reading this book, he began to notice all the handwritten notes that were in the margin of each page. They were very thoughtful, very heartwarming. He turned to the front of the book, and it just so happened that in the same handwriting as the little notes was a lady's name and her address. Her name was Holly. She lived in New York City. So the soldier thought he would write her a letter introducing himself. He told her how he was about to be shipped off to Europe to overseas. He told her how much he enjoyed reading her comments in the book. 
And he said, if you would like to respond, I would love to talk to you about the book. That's what guys always like to say. Anyway, much to his surprise, he received a letter in return. For the next 13 months, they wrote back and forth again and again, getting closer and closer. They were actually falling in love, though they had never seen each other before. A year and a half later, the soldier's coming back home to the States. It just happens to be he's coming through New York City. This was their big opportunity to meet. They planned on hanging out for the first time and going to dinner together. The girl said, Holly said in her last letter, I'll be waiting for you when you get off the ship. You'll know it's me by the pink rose I'll be wearing. Sailing back across the ocean, he was so excited and nervous all at the same time. He stepped off the ship. This was the big moment. It finally arrived. This beautiful young lady came walking toward him. She took his breath away. She was tall, had gorgeous features, long hair, very healthy. She looked like a movie star. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. He was so taken back by her beauty, he didn't realize she wasn't wearing the pink rose. After she passed him by, he finally came back down to earth. About that time, a 50-year-old woman was walking near him. She wasn't that attractive. She had gray hair. And it just so happened she was wearing the pink rose. He was so disappointed, but he didn't want to show it. So he walked up to her with a big smile. He saluted her. He shook her hand and said, Hello, ma'am, you must be Holly. It's an honor to meet you. Can I please take you out to dinner? The lady looked at him and said, Son, I don't know what's going on around here, but that young lady that just walked by you asked me to wear this pink rose. She said that if you invite me to dinner, I'm supposed to tell you she'll be waiting for you in the restaurant across the street. <laughs> That's passing the test. <laughs> God has your provision, but you got to pass the test. The rest of Malachi 6 says this. We tithe so that there may be food in my house. And the only place in the whole Bible where it says you can test God is in this area. No other place in the entire Word of God does it say you can test It's a dual test. You're taking a test to trust Him, and He's taking a test to do what His Word says He will do. See that I will not open up the windows of heaven, pour out on you in abundance all kind of good things so there's no room to store it. I'll rebuke Satan for your sake. He won't destroy the seeds that you've sown, says the Lord. All people will talk about how I have blessed you. On and on it goes. Um, my friend Dan, um, he's one of the elders here in church. You know, him and Erica, since the day they learned about tithing, they began tithing. Uh, I don't know this because I've looked. I know this because they're people of integrity. Because understand that robbing or stealing is a character issue. We think a lot of times it's a money issue. It's not. When someone steals, it's because of their character. And Dan and Erica do not steal from God. They're faithful tithers. When Dan first started coming to church here three years ago when we started... Uh, he was working at a cell phone company, making, making decent money. But he stepped out in faith and began working in the car business. And he was making even more money with that. Several months ago, God put it on his heart to step out in faith and begin starting real estate, going into the real estate. He knew nothing about it, never did it before, but he felt like God was telling him to do this. And this was before they found out they were pregnant with their second child. The car business was taking a lot of Dan's time and emotional energy. He wasn't able to spend with Erica and Rosalind. And so Dan thought, okay, I'm going to step out in faith, and here's my goal. 
in three years time, I need to make the same amount of money each month that I was making at the car business after three years of real estate. That's my goal. I know nothing about it. I need to go to school. I need to take the test. But in three years, that's my, in three years, I need to make the same amount of money in the real estate as I was making in the car in three years. In three months, Dan's third month, he's making what he was making in the car business. Here's what, listen, what we think we can accomplish in three years, when we're under the blessing, God can accomplish it in three months. Just imagine where he will be in three years. Um, you know, it's funny because there are four commandments that carry the death penalty. <laughs> Adultery, murder, um, not obeying your parents, and the Sabbath. Stealing did not carry that in the judicial law. Now, all these other Eastern cultures, all of them, you steal, you die. But not this one. It's so unusual. Israel was the only culture on earth that didn't do that. Why is that? God created something called restitution in Exodus 22. It's where when you steal from someone, you give it back. You make, you make amends. I started thinking about how unusual this is. And the word restitution in Hebrew comes from two words. One is to restore. That's obvious. The other word that makes up the word restitution is to remove guilt. So interesting. It's because as a believer, I don't know about you, but when I hurt somebody, when I've done someone wrong, of course I can ask forgiveness and God, you know, forgive us of our sin. But something in me wants to say, I'm sorry. Like I, I just, I can't. I can't preach here on a Sunday morning having hurt someone during the week and not say I'm sorry. I have to do it. I don't care if they say they're sorry or not. I don't care. I'm sorry. There's something in me. And when I do that, it heals my soul. In the same way, if I was to steal from someone, returning it, paying it back, God's already forgiven you. You can ask me. But there's something as believers inside of us that wants to pay it back. For the past 26 years, I've eaten at the same restaurant two times a week. It's a little cheap place here in Myrtle Beach. I love it. Because I was 14 years old, twice a week, I go there for lunch. About 24 years ago, as a teenager, my friends and I decided we were going to eat there and skip out on the check. And we did it once, we did it twice, we did it a third time. I felt so guilty, I stopped going there for like two years. But I craved it because I love the food they have. After that time, I decided to step back into the place and I had a horrifying meeting with the staff and the manager. I told them what I did. I said, I'll pay it back. They said, don't worry about it. It's okay. I've been eating there since then, twice a week for the past 20-something years. Um, I don't think that any of you in here would ever go to a nice restaurant today and walk out without pay. You know, the first guy I told you about that stole from our church, I don't think any of you would steal from the people in this room. I hope not. The reason we tithe is so that there may be food in the house of God. I don't know if you enjoy the food you get here or not. Someone's paying for it. The tithers. They pay the salary. 
They pay the dozens of books that I read. They pay the nursery workers. They pay the children's shirt. They pay the youth events. They pay the electricity. They pay the toilet paper. They pay for everything. They pay for the offering envelopes that they put their money in. Somebody's paying for the food in this place. Please don't be a Christian that enjoys a great meal and then skips out on the check. Please don't be someone that comes to church, smiles at the pastor, and then steals from everyone else when no one's looking. If you will stop stealing, start working, and keep giving, I promise, being under the blessings of God far outweigh anything that you could provide for yourself on your own.